Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. Before we get started, I'm Ethan Richards. I'm Beckett Rice. And I'm CJ Bakel. And as you all know, if you're regular listeners of the show, every time this is the be- one of the better times of the year, we always talk Six Nations when it comes to, uh, when it comes this time of year. So this week begins week one of our Six Nations review uh, of every single weekend. Um, obviously, this last one was a great one. So, yeah, you can say that. Oh, it was a fantastic one. Well, yeah, it was a fantastic <laughs> one for for like, for fans for, of the game. Depends. The, yeah, <laughs> did you see? Uh, it was like James Haskell was on a podcast, and uh, they asked him like, "Oh, who do you think is going to win the Six Nations?" And he goes, "Rugby." Yeah, honestly, honestly, like he's he's pretty right there. Like honestly, oh, we so had some great games this weekend in terms of competitive level between the and teams. the not so competitive level between well, teams. Hey, I will say though, it's a little interesting though. The team, it's not the usual team that we think isn't going to be competitive that was not competitive. That's true. That's it's a good point. We get a switch up on who we think's going to be the bottom of the table. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Which it's nice to be back. It is. By at the, the way. bottom? Yes, we've no, missed No, hey, we've hey, hey hold on. Wow, <laughs> shots are fired. I just meant like on the show. It's nice yeah, to be totally. back. I think everybody can everybody at home also agrees that we missed you, bud. Yeah. It's good to be back. So with that, I will go ahead and kick us off with Wales-Ireland, the first game of the weekend. Um, also, the biggest score difference of the weekend, which honestly it can be a little bit of a surprise, but also not a surprise at the same time, because the other, the other big match that I think people would have expected would have been uh, France-Italy. But I personally think like Wales just has not looked good and did mm-hmm. not look good, especially going into this game. Like, I mean, le- the game was played in the first half. Yeah. Yeah, it was over by halftime. Yeah, For those... I mean, there's, what, 3-27 to at half and 10-34 mm-hmm. final. Right. So. Yeah, it, it did seem to me sort of, I mean, our Ireland were sloppy in the second half, and I'm sure they're going to be getting on to it in later in, in when they get to practice this week about that but i just it feels like they just sort of took their foot off the gas like well we've won it like, yeah i i was about to say i i wouldn't even say like they were super sloppy after in the second half i think it was really just like a like maybe whales pretty much, up a little. yeah uh, they uh i i actually no i was gonna say like after they got uh like they've they scored in the second half like after that was finally completed and they had received their bonus point i think ireland was like they have nothing left to play for other than to maintain their lead right yeah i think it was i think it sort of became was a uh sort of a pride thing for wales in the second half like they were like hey you know we we can't go out there like this so they were able to they wanted to get themselves a try and they were able to but yeah it just seemed like one team showed up to play and the other one didn't and maybe that's just because like you know they've just had a coaching change um yeah, yeah they, the thing about the coaching that change, well beforehand the thing about this coaching change like the whole coach like i get it like sometimes you do need some like time to get used to a coach but um 
In this case, it's Warren Gatlin. And Warren right. Gatlin, like, it's the same. Like, when it comes to Wales, a lot of the same players that who are on the squad have been there for a long time, right? Right. And especially, like, a lot of the guys who were playing this weekend were uh, coached by Warren Gatlin previously. So you'd think that, that he would come in, bring, like, some continuity and be like, oh, okay, this is what we did last time and it worked. Maybe we're going to make some adjustments to it. And I mean, that's fair, you know, been, what three three years since he's been the coach there after the World Cup in 2019? Yeah, but it's but not it, that it, long ago, is it? Yeah, but there are definitely. I mean, three years is is a long time. There's a, like a lot of guys who are like new who weren't there, like Rio Dyer, Bill Hawkins wasn't there. Um, I think yeah, Thomas but you're still Williams seeing the same old like on. Ken Owens, Alan Wynn Jones, Play Falatau. Yeah. Like a lot of those guys are still in the team. Right, but Liam Williams. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna actually agree with Beckett here in terms of like three years is enough time to where when you've bought in and worked within a new system with a new coach that when you have to return to the old system like there's still gonna be growing pains back to right. It, right and it we might, saw it might yeah. be less but I think like there were 100% growing pains and like it was evident during this game I mean they came in there they came into the second half striking back pretty hard scoring mm-hmm. what in the first five six minutes of the game but like yeah. I, I think that was just enough to like wake ireland up and be like oh this game is not like in the bag but it's like like yeah. we just need to get our bonus point and get out and they i mean it took them a while to do that but like they, it's it never it felt like, like it was unattainable for them right it seemed like ireland their i think it more their attack fell asleep in the second half but their defense was still stout you know yeah. they have a phenomenal defense with you know just players everywhere <laughs> yeah it, you know yeah, they were just out coached and overmatched yeah yeah i i like i think it really was just an outclassing game right across the board i'm honestly really surprised that liam williams was like not even in the 23 and then Lee Halfpenny got hurt again, and he he became the starter. I don't know how he like even if Lee Halfpenny was was healthy, he should have been the backup, you know, because I think he was one of the best players out there. He was I think he was the best attacking player for Wales probably. You know, every time he carried, he carried with like a lot of commitment, and he made a lot of will, a lot of meters. So. Yeah, he made like 108 meters, something like that. Yeah, I'm looking at 60 stats right now. I haven't pulled up. I had like a, 108. Uh, had bigger. a total of like 14 carries. So obviously he had the ball a lot, but him being a 15, he probably was just getting the ball kicked to him. Right. But yeah. Still, the only yeah the only person that had more carries, more meters made than him was Thomas Thomas Williams at 188. But he was he's the scrum half, so he kind of just you know. He's going to have the ball a lot more in his hands. Although he did only have eight carries, so that is impressive, too. He was also, I think, pretty on it. But just, you know... Um, 188. Say, wait, that was the meters made or meters kicked? Oh, I'm looking at meters kicked. You're right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then, yeah. Oh, no. Then Thomas Williams had 19, <laughs> 19 meters carried. Rio Dyer had a good game, too. He had 107 meters carried on seven carries. That's pretty solid. Um yeah, but if I was looking like the so the stats wise though, it's, it's a little interesting in regards to some of them. Obviously, Ireland dominated at the breakdown. They got nine turnover, nine turnovers overall that they won. Wales only got three. Um, a 
they dominated possession. They had possession a little bit more, 20 and a half minutes to 18 minutes. Um, but the surprising thing I thought was um, in the tackles made, um, what, so Wales had 23 dominant tackles, but Ireland only had 10. So maybe so it seemed, um, you know, Wales fronted up on the physical side. I mean, that's yeah, what I, the I, I mean, old Warren Gatlin teams would be like, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was about to say, I think, like, like, that only matters, right, against teams that are not able to, like, successfully support the runner, right? Which I think Ireland was doing perfectly fine, which is why it didn't really, like, become a really big turnover uh, uh, problem with making those tackles and... and contesting off of those tackles to like turn the ball over right it just like it wasn't happening as often as it would against a team that's just like not as good and i think that's like like i think that's a valuable stat if you're not looking at a team like ireland right who who is right. playing peaking like early pretty clean game oh peaking, peaking early, early you know yeah. you know no, they would have already been past gonna... the peak by now usually usually <laughs> they'd already be past the peak uh, maybe. I mean, it is only week we'll one, see. so it is, yeah, yeah, it is still... week one. But you know, I think it was really important. You know, I agree that with that though, that Ireland are aside from maybe France are like the best team at protecting their breakdown. Right. And, and this week and they look better. Like, France. That's why, yeah. like to me, looking at your your tackling like mm-hmm. doesn't really mean anything because it doesn't like it's against a team that I don't think you get value out of that stat because it's not like you're against a team where you can actually uh, advance on that uh, right. dominant tackle to turn over the ball regularly and create that sort of pressure to kind of turn around the possession of the game. Agree. Yeah. Um, you can also look at like Wales, they missed 33 tackles. So it's like, yeah, they got some dominant ones, but they were just letting the, 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 the ball carriers get by them on several occasions. Yeah, it's uh, pretty brutal. So I, I think we should go ahead and start segueing onto the next game. Uh, what, yes. but what are our final thoughts for our Wales Ireland game? I think... To me, I, I, my final thoughts would be like, I think Wales are looking like the weakest team so far. Um, Anti Grand Slam team. Oh, I'm not quite. I'm not quite bold Wooden enough to spoon. say that. Yeah. I'm not quite bold enough to yeah, say that they're going to lose every game, but they, I, to me, they're looking like the weakest. But I don't mm. know if that's because Ireland is looking like the strongest, or if they're actually looking like the weakest. So I, I think next week will, it'll it'll tell a lot more of a story for every team. I agree. Yeah. I yeah, like we just keep on coming back to it. Is that Ireland outmatched them? That was it. Outclassed yeah. them. Yeah. Comprehensively. Uh, actually, I want to lead us into this next one because I would like to hear, I, w- I would like to hear Ethan's like unadulterated like reaction <laughs> to this game, especially because we were both watching it at the same time and texting each other back and forth, and I was talking mad trash. So yeah, I would love to, I, and like if anybody looked at my like Instagram stories and everything like that, I was posting trash He's on Ethan. me out. Yeah, wow. he was. exactly. This so, mean. <laughs> so I want to hear Ethan's like pure reaction first, 
uh, as an English fan, and then we can go into the like our our takes for it. I I will say, um, things were looking somewhat up from where we were at the end of Eddie Jones on offense. I think there were some things that grew, but Farrell is not a 12, at least if we're going to be playing our roster that we're playing. He's not a 12. We need somebody else who can feed a good crash ball and, and run a good crash ball or like, like less, less of a 10 playing the 12 position, essentially. Um, that's my first big thought. Two, for the love of God, somebody make a tackle. <laughs> we, we went into halftime with half as many tackle attempts and the same amount as missed tackles. And I can guarantee you half of those were on Duhan. <laughs> Easily. Easily. That, I mean, like that one run. I, I think I said it to that you. That was five missed tackles. I, I was just like, one, two missed tackle, three missed tackle, four missed tackle. And I was just like, that's, that's when I started talking trash to you. I was like, yeah, Duan should just start. Or Duan's name should be changed to Dad for England. Ah, Father of England, Dad. I saw Dad. also like Farrell. I think like didn't even like attempt to tackle on Duhan. And then as the if you watch the camera as they're like coming up, you just see Finn Russell in Farrell's ear as like Duhan's breaking away, just chatting to him. And Farrell did not seem happy. It didn't. Actually, if you go look at that, it looks like it was a small obstruction that blocked Farrell. But he should have just ran through the defender. Right. But if you don't make an attempt, then... He did bump him. He did bump it. But it just wasn't enough of a show. He needed to show to the ref that he was trying harder. I think even without the bump, it didn't matter because it just seemed like Farrell wasn't committed to, to making the tackle. Yes. Um. So that was painful, though. Um, uh, for everybody who who everybody who not know or see the score, the final score was twenty three to twenty nine towards Scott. Oh yeah, that's that's probably yes. important. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just saying, I did. We we forgot to mention that early. But yeah. like the biggest frustration for me was like we lived inside of the Scottish half for so much of this game. Like it was literally it was insane. Yeah, it was absolutely, just, it was asinine. Like, there's no, like, I'm not gonna, I, I don't even think that's an overstatement because it just felt like the whole game, we were just like shoving the ball down their throat on their 22. Like, it felt like we couldn't get, we couldn't get it within their five and we couldn't like, and we wouldn't fall into our half uh, too much or like, most of that game but scotland when they got the ball they found the holes and they they just like ran it through england it was yeah, so I, frustrating i actually have a a quarry with uh with england because when i was watching it i don't know what their ideas were behind this maybe maybe they they saw something in film that nobody else saw but like for the first half of the match i don't know if you guys noticed this but <clears throat> whenever they had the ball and they were trying to trade possession for territory they would be kicking it low and like beam it right down the middle right so they would just beam it straight down the middle and like nine times out of ten it was either like Stuart hogg or like finn russell were just there so since they were basically kicking it low and like low and speedy just directly to one of their players they had plenty of time to put a, a decent kick just right back 
And I thought it was kind of funny because I remember uh, Finn Russell got one, one of those, and he just kind of like looked and he, like he had so much time and then just beamed it right back. And then right after that, England beamed it right back to him. And it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. It was like that they weren't trying to kick into space, you know? It, it, maybe it they were like, trying to like force a handling error. Maybe. But yeah, it, it. I mean, usually when you if you're gonna kick it low and try and get it to bounce and sit up and stuff, you want to kick it, you know, in space between players. But it's it's interesting that they kept kicking it. It was like two something. It was like directly down the middle. So maybe yeah. it was it maybe it wasn't supposed to be through somebody, but it was just going directly down the middle. So maybe that plays into your point, Ethan, of them not being able to get a whole lot of territory because they were just kicking it directly to players. Yeah. You're not gonna win with a poor kicking game. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. Across the board here. Like I think um I think overall England looked like there was at least, like, to me, it looks like we had a lot of solid players out there, but not a team. Like they didn't fit with each other. Quite, I, yeah. I, I, but, but I think part of that's because, like, you look at the English selection this for this game. Mm-hmm. It was different. There were a lot of different names out there than like yeah, what sure. was Eddie Jones's yeah. like primary selection when he was in charge you know like you got some good differences you got some good adjustments and i think like that played into that a little bit but i think it's also just like with a new coaching staff in the same same spot wales is the new coach like with a, a churn up in the group on the on the field it was just different and and yeah i think england yeah. hopefully by the end of the six nations will look like a different side i don't know how different but I do think, like, the trajectory is up. I think they need to figure out the Farrell Smith situation. Like, it's just, right. I don't I don't like it at this point. They've tried it for a while. They're just two different types of players. And at this point, like, we just need to pick one. Well, it just doesn't make sense. Like, you have, you're putting out, it's, it's fine to put out two playmakers. It's worked before, you know. The teams do have two, like, good playmakers, maybe at a 10-12 or a 10 and a 15. Like, you know, the All Blacks, I think, are a big point. It's like, you know, they had Al Nanu was a great playmaker at 12, and then, of course, you had Dan Cotter. But also, Mao Nanu offered so much go-forward because he was, you know, not, like, super fast, but he was a fast guy. He was a big, powerful carrier that was going to get up and move. Harold just doesn't offer that same, same, same thing. So putting him there just, like, really hinders your midfield, and you're not going to get that go-forward that you normally want. And it puts you... Instead I think of getting on the front foot, it's not working. The difference, or what could be more effective, is if, like, it was cycled, right? Like, if, if they learned how to cycle who ends up being the first receiver, because I feel like they can both play, like, a good first receiver and rotating them in and out of that role for, like, different pods and different structures, like on the middle of the field versus like or the outer edge versus like who's right off of the like the first pass you know i think that could be a way to do it but at this point it doesn't look like they've decided whether or not that should be the case it felt like as the game went on Farrell ended up in that first receiver position a lot more mm-hmm. than like it seemed like it was planned to be mm-hmm. um and then you because then you had moments where like Marcus smith, Marcus smith like Put a beautiful kick in over the edge like 
you know that like those moments did happen and so it's like i feel like if they can just better figure out what their identity should be like on the field together it might be successful but at this point like it's been a while where i don't feel like that's happened so at this point i'm not i don't really support it or love it i think the best way for them to go is you start smith at 10 and you have uh Farrell be your backup 10 that you know smith is still very young he's still learning to control a game at the international level that if he's starting to mess up and you get behind you can bring f- the veteran Farrell on it it just doesn't make sense do you, do you think that the they could put Farrell at like a 15 no because no because no, you can't take freddie stewart out there he's you know one of the best well, also but you can I mean, move him like Freddie into like a fourteen. Infamously a bad tackler. Infamously yeah, that's a good point too. A bad tackler. What Farrell? Like Yes. Yeah. Freddie Stewart was he missed a few uh big tackles on the back end one on one though. I but think yes, that's yeah, again, Farrell yeah. would be far away. Like for sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 So I'm gonna go ahead and push us forward uh to our We're not gonna game. talk about Scotland a little bit. Hey, hey, yeah, we, we do talk, have to talk yeah, about. We do have, need to talk about Scotland. No, 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 no. Um, we need to talk about the Frankenstein team, the Frankenstein international team that is Scotland. <laughs> dude, I I didn't a realize collection of English, a collection of South Africans, and then dude, I didn't realize Scotland. this. Okay, most of the English boys are Scotland. Dude, there are twenty-one internationally born players on that squad. Ten of them 21. are. Ten of them were born in England. Two Scottish parents. So they they are Scottish. They just kind of hopped over the border, really, because it's so easy to go back and forth between the two countries. But yeah, that is still a lot. They'd still be like, I think the most or second most if you took those away. Right, good. They are the most. They have yeah. They have. Oh, the they're, most. they're easily the most. I'm just saying, if you took away those nine or ten guys born in England to Scottish parents, they would still be the most. I think. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's like the next best is or the next highest is Italy, and they have nine. Right. So they have a lot of arch. Guys. Yeah, they have a That's lot like, of like yeah, and yeah, they, they had a couple Kiwis like Stephen Varney is, a, is Australian or Kiwi, I think. Like that. Yeah, well, but you regardless, know, regardless, yeah. They Whatever played very, they they played solid rugby and it oh, felt yeah. like it was solid rugby. And um I mean, they played out of their own half in terms of like where the possession was a lot and it's like not by choice like they did kick a lot and they did um like play it how you should be whenever you're constantly stuck in your own half. Right. Um, it's just that they found the moments when they got to the other side of the field and they worked the field. Like the the try to the corner that was like literally back and forth from one edge of the field to the other and back and then back again to like work the English defense to make the space on the edge. Like they did that successfully. I think it was like, something like six phases yeah it's just basics bro it's like that's like the that's what they teach you from like when we were back in high school it's like oh yeah just keep going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and you'll maybe like something will happen hold on to the ball keep keep it moving between the sidelines and you're bound to score at some point I'll also say, like, the amount of just threats they have in that back yeah. line. Like, if you give Finn Russell space, he's going to take off. You have Duhan van der Merwe. Sione Tuipiloto really surprised me with how well he played because he's, oh, yeah, he, you know, he's played great. a little bit. He was phenomenal. I was skeptical about them not starting Chris Harris and having Tuipiloto and Jones, but they just worked so well. Then, of course, you know, the man at the back, Stuart Hogg. 
I will say though, uh, shout out to the number seven, Luke Crosby, doing his best uh, Hamish Washington impression. Twenty tackles, no, no <laughs> missed tackles. I mean, their their defense was was on point. Like, I mean, the same set I mentioned earlier that was bad for England is good for Scotland, right? Yeah. Double the amount of tackles, same amount missed as the English side. Like, they wouldn't work on the defense. Same to Skullman, sixteen tackles, no miss, no misses. Yeah. Dude, he, I, I, I always say this every single time. Whenever I see Pierce Goldman play, he's a mountain of a man. He is gigantic. So I'm, I'm and he, like, he had like 25 meters uh, in carries, carries yeah. on like what? Like, in uh, carries. Uh, hold on. On like 10 carries. Like, but for a prop, that's huge. <laughs> he, was, he was working. He had two breakdown steals, I think. Um, yeah. Oh, no, he, he broke two tackles. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah, he oh, broke okay. two tackles. Uh, he made he made a couple nice pass, you know, good offloads, good Dude. short passes. Just he was everywhere. He's a giant. Yeah, and he's a man. He's a monster. Come scrum time too. Not so I, I know I know we moved on to Scotland at this point, but I just uh-huh. had a thought. Yeah. Um, just like naming players, Van Portfleet, my guy. He was struggling. He was. Yeah. Dude, that was it, he. The I problem is though, like too. nine, like English nines, like we don't have any that I would say are like, "That's our guy. We need that guy." Sorry, right. I didn't mean to just totally swing the conversation. No, back you're good. Oh, I agree like, with that. Yeah. When, yeah and then, like on the Scottish side, you had um, uh, Ben White just like playing a really solid game. Like I, I don't. He didn't have a single handling error. Like he was just like controlling well. On his side, I mean, it helps when you're next to you know Finn Russell, like he's yeah. pro- probably one of the best tens in in the world today. Like yeah, if you were to say, huh? But yeah, I said definitely one of the best. Yeah, like I think you could argue. I mean, I mean, Ireland falls apart without um <laughs> without Johnny. <laughs> yeah, without Sexton. <laughs> but like, I think. I, I would be interested to see if Scotland's the same when it comes to Finn Russell at this point. Mm-hmm. Like he's right, right. No, so, I thought Ben White was was did a phenomenal job considering. Um, I, I thought he would struggle uh, without Ali Price there, but he filled in excellently. He was he did a phenomenal job. Yeah, for sure. So. Moving Let's on uh, move on to the best game of the weekend. Um, of the weekend. By far, as a rugby fan, this to was the, the best game to watch in the world. Best weekend. game of the year. This close to being the best game of the year. <laughs> Real close. If, 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 if Italy had won. Um, so, speaking of, it was 24 points to Italy, 29 to France. And that score, that five-point margin, it wasn't a comeback. It wasn't a, a broken lead because at halftime it was 14-19. They were up 24-22. Yeah, yeah. Like they were going to take it. It was a close one. I just got to say that uh, Italy was 20.5 dogs. So for anybody who's a betting man, that's a great stat line for you if you uh, had Italy to cover. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I... Loved watching this game. Every second was exciting. The the Italian in me from my mom's side of the family was like, "Let's freaking go!" <laughs> but um, no, watching this game. Yeah. My my big thing that I want to take away from this game though is that like it could have been 
an absolute blowout if a couple moments went the other way that it did. Like France had a, a knock on in the uh, like in the try zone, yeah. like a, a like it was the the penalty try. Like they definitely gave it away when they messed up that mall. You know, like they really sacked it and, and gave it up. They, I think they still could have like held held that um, if they had not sacked it. Like I think it would have been possible to hold. But like in terms of like Italy's ball handling. They were slinging it around like it was a hacky sack that was way too hot to hold. It was a hot potato. Yeah. Like to the point of like, like we were inside of the like five meter zone of their own try line and they're just whipping off plus ones in contact because they were just trying to get the ball around. And like, it was awesome. It was cool to watch. Way scary. And France 100% did not abuse it to the amount that they should have. Yeah, I'll agree. I felt like most phases of of the game, it seemed like Italy were better. Like they had more possession, twenty minutes to fourteen. They were in their uh, the French twenty two for four minutes compared to three and a half. Um, but they spent a lot. They they spent a lot more time in France in their own half running the ball more than double than than france and they can't be doing that maybe they were like not confident of their exit play especially after um the first french try where varney just kicks it doesn't let his forward set doesn't you know they're, they're they don't set up a wall they don't talk he doesn't command the forwards to like hey get in here set up the ruck someone set up the uh the pillar and let me kick it behind safety he just goes to kick it um french lock knocks it down and takes it in for a try yeah, I mean, that box kick was so poor, and I don't so think poor. they really effectively worked on box kicks, right? Because, like, every time they had an opportunity, they never set up a chain. They never brought the ball back effectively. Like, I think it only actually successfully was done maybe once or twice. Right. And it was I mean, just, like, not. It was, like, their exit strategy was to run it out. Because I don't think mm-hmm. their kicking was good at all during this game. No. Like, I, when they were kicking out of their 22, the ball barely made it past their 22 very frequently. Uh, going out of bounds like uh, they had a couple go to the half uh, halfway line which were like their better kicks or they were just drilling it down the center of the field and it was right into the French hands right I think it sort of just shows how important Garbisi is to his team because when because they have a shocking um, kicking game without him but when they have him they have an average to like above average kicking game that keeps them in it because he's such an intelligent kicker he does he's so and he's so accurate with where he wants to put his kicks so also Stephen varney versus french locks best rivalry in um six nations because he obviously he gave up the um blocked kick this year and then last year just threw the ball right to willemsa for a run and try inside the 22 <laughs> two years yeah. in a row giving it away to the to the french locks yeah it was a man what did you say, CJ? I said, oh, Steven. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just, like, I don't know. I, like, there were moments, right, where I was, like, oh, my gosh, Italy's going to do it. Like, they're going to pull it off. And, like, the faith yeah. was there because, like, like, even though we were talking about how they spent so much time in playing out of their own half, like, they were doing it pretty successfully. Like, the frequency in which they would pull a French penalty and then get into the, the French half and mall have a successful mall like we were talking about like they had a literal like 
penalty try because they were mauling so well on the line that France sacked it and and gave a, gave it away, gave away a card, right? Like it's just they like it was just they had like lapses of 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 structure where they just fell apart a little bit and France just that's when France like was given an inch and took a mile. Right. It's the classic like basic errors that they make that ruin that messes up for them. But I think, you know, you can see where they're making less errors. They're doing more great things. Throughout the game, I always thought the forwards were carrying hard and carrying together. In the past, I've always hated watching the, them carry because it's just like they'll carry it off by themselves and everybody else is like 5, 10 meters away. And I'm like, oh, it's going to get turned over here. But that wasn't happening. They had good support right, um, around them almost the whole game. Yeah, I, I think it was overall just like a really solid game from from them in terms of like how they've played and how they've uh, like been playing the last year year and a half you know like they you can definitely see that it's still like mostly upward right like uh it's i mean france is like a front runner to win the world cup this year and they held them to f- a five point game even taking the lead like like halfway through the second half almost Somewhere in that range, like it, yeah. they were up 22-24 until, what was it, the 70th minute, 70th minute, something like that? You can yeah, correct me if that. I'm wrong. I know it was pretty late in the game where I was Very like... late in the match. Yeah, it, um, was, it was insanely yeah, close, that. like all the way through. It felt like this this might be the game. It was insane. I, I, it was just like... It took the lead at the 61st minute and then held on to it until the... Uh, 67th minute. 67. Okay. I, I knew it was close to the 70th. Yes. Um, so. Yeah. It, but it's just like those last 12 minutes, like every time Italy had the ball, like you could feel the electricity like coming like to life within their team because like they were actually slinging the ball around and it wasn't as successful as like a Southern Hemisphere team in terms of like their ability to to get the plus one passes to hand or to make the like quick ball movement across the middle of the field with like hard pa- fast paced lines like but you could tell that they were going to to drive for that more and it just like was great to watch now on the other side of the coin let's talk about france specifically yeah in this game they did like most of what they needed to do uh pretty regularly I think they definitely were in surprise and shock for the like almost unstructured game that Italy played. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. That they that they were. It did seem like they were kind of trying to like con- not compensate, but like try to like because <clears throat> with Italy, like you guys were saying, is a lot of chaos going on, and they were just trying to co- like control that chaos a little for most of it. Um. But I think one of the biggest things coming out of the French uh, team is how important Antoine Dupont is before them. Uh, <clears throat> like he, he's always able to like increase the tempo of their offense, and he can re- he has such a great vision to see how stretched the Italian defense is to put together something. Because I know like he was a bigger factor for majority of their tries like for the he was a like at the center of it for 
for three of their tries. And, you know, as always, he's doing great kicking and defense. So he's carrying a lot of that team on his, on his back, I feel like. And I feel like almost like, like in juxtaposition with uh, Ntamak during this game. I mean, he, like, Ntamak got pulled from this game because, he, like, he just wasn't performing. And so, like, they subbed him out in the last, like, 10, 15 minutes of the game because they realized that, like, like he was not really helping as much, uh, like, in terms of getting things together the way that, like, DuPont was needing in terms of assistance for. Yeah, it seemed Untamak had, like, a really off-brand game for him. Like, he just wasn't per... No, perform- he wasn't like doing anything devastatingly wrong, but it just was not anywhere near his standards. Dupont, though, was I think very much carried. Um, and he, I, I don't want to say he carried the team, but he was definitely I think the most consistent, well-performing player out there. I didn't really seem like he did much wrong. I, a facilitator for everything yeah. that the brands did, they he was yeah. at least present for. Yeah. And I know we're talking about France, but I will want to give a shout out to the Italian forward pack because, um, you know, obviously every time they have like their first scrum of a match, they show the different weights of each team. And I think like Scotland, England and Wales, Ireland, the difference is like maybe five to 10 kilos. But in this game, it was 939 kilos France to 871 kilos, a 70 kilo difference. That is, that is, you put, that is like you have two similar packs and then you throw um uh Ange Capozo on one you get an extra push so like the fact that they fronted <laughs> up and they only lost one of their own um scrums and even looked you know looked dominant in their in their own scrums was very impressive and um usually they they don't they've not always been a great line out team but they looked very good today let's say their line out to their mall was was really solid i mean at very the end solid. at the end of the day their own hubris got them because in the last, like at the end of the game, they had successfully been line outs, ha- having line outs with successful malls throughout most of the game to the point where they even got the penalty try. They went for it in the last moments of the game and, oh, gone. Nope. I wouldn't say they it's dropped it. I feel like it was, it was a mixture of nerves and then just at that moment, the greater experience of France came out as they were able to, like, get in and get them all down quick, close off the space for the, as the jumper came down. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day though, like, like yeah. they, had, they know where their strengths are and who their best players are. Right. Mm-hmm. Or at least they should. And yeah. but you got to like, go for them all. Do you? Yeah. I, I think try, you can five meters out to win the game. Every team on earth out because they messed up the case. That is true. Yeah, that is true. It was it was a little further, but like every team on earth would at least enter into a mall just to draw the forwards in. Oh, and for sure. Take it out. I I I think that's what they should have done is immediately mm-hmm. take the ball out after they drew all the forwards. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. think they should have held into the mall and tried to driven it. You're too far out. Like yes, you've been successful for it, but that's just a personal thing. I think like ten meters is a long way to mall, and I don't mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth going for. You have such a great 15 who can slot anywhere into the line and literally make magic out of any any time you touch yeah. the ball. You know, but we could also say if Tommaso Allen doesn't miss that last penalty, then they're sitting That's there true. like, oh man, we're only two points down. 
true. They could have just go gone for, for the, the sticks. Hit. Yeah, but yeah. you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda there. I right. The important right. thing is though, this is so much of an improvement. Losing by five compared to losing by twenty three last year. Um, getting a losing bonus point that's phenomenal. Like I think yeah. everybody else now has to look and be like, all right, we need to watch out for Italy. This is not the yeah, same. Which, thing. which leads us into teams having to uh, watch out for Italy next week. Uh, we do have England versus Italy, which I think will be a very interesting game. And I said uh, to my English father, uh, with a little bit of fear in my voice, I think Italy could win that game. <laughs> yeah. I was met with silence as a response from my dad, of course. <laughs> but so, it was definitely... For the betting man, okay, uh... Italy is 28.5-point underdogs again this week against England. And if I were a betting man, I'd take I would definitely point. have them cover. For sure. Because 20.5 points is a lot. It is a lot. That's, like, that's four tries. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they I were mean, able yeah. to hold against France in a decent France squad, which is, you know, something to say. And then yeah, that was on a 14 game win streak. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they're playing England, who is like we said earlier, growing pains with a new coach. Why not? Yeah. I think 20 and a half is a totally safe, maybe not safe bet, but because there's no such thing as a safe bet. But if I were a betting man, that would be where I would put my money on. Tiger Star Club does not promote gambling. Yeah, yeah, we do not promote gambling. <laughs> just pointing some things out no but um cj think, cj moved to a place where it's it's like like active and available and and not yeah. a hard thing to not do south so. carolina yeah so so he can actually do it so now he's yes. he's been talked into it some so now he's uh he actually just, thinks yeah. about things in that light i'm yeah. just giving you i'm just giving my my not two advice. cents on that side you know i'm just it's not advice we don't give gambling advice. We do yeah, not give, is, and we do not solicit gambling. We do not approve of it. This is this is just CJ using the terminology. Anyway, yeah. but I will anyway. say though, the crazy thing to think about is, is me looking at this game. The fact that it's in Twickenham is, is it's like in years past, I would look at it and say, okay, Italy, England. Italy's never beaten England. It doesn't matter if it's in England or if it's at Italy. I think England is going to win. But like looking at this game, I'm like, the home field advantage genuinely matters in this match. I feel like, like I feel like if See, it was in, it if it was in like, Rome, England I'd be like, not performed. England has not been performing in Twickenham recently, and you know what? The fans haven't been perform- performing either. Been I know this is, might be a very tough take to say, Ooh. but like this last week, I could hear more Scottish fans than English fans, and it was honestly very, very obvious. It was a there was an interview they did with one of the fans that was in the stands, and he was like ripping into everybody. He was like, "We're being outshouted by Scotland in our own stadium." He was like, "I was up there, I was screaming for my country, and people were telling me to pipe down and be quiet." Like other Englishmen, and he was like, "How that's this is embarrassing that you're gonna tell me to be quiet when I'm screaming for my country, your country too." Like, what are we doing that we're gonna get outshouted by our opponents in our home stadium? Yeah, especially in such a rivalry match as like the Calcutta Cup, where yeah. you're at home and you desperately need a win because that this is now three in a row. Yep. So bring the passion. I feel yeah. like they're not gonna bring it next week after even I feel like it'll be brought even less next week because it's like 
Oh, it's Italy. It's not. It's not Scotland. It's not a big rival, and they just lost, so they'll be like down. So, all right. So, speaking of next week, our games on the slate. We have on the eleventh of February, Ireland versus France. It's the first game of the day, and then Scotland plays Wales, and then on that Sunday is this England versus Italy game that we've kind of harped on a little bit already. But I think we are good to wrap it up here. Um, I think we've got three very exciting games next week. I'm All of it's going to be so much fun to watch, and I can't wait to sit down with you all and talk about it and hopefully not be upset and venting about it um, after Sunday. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Any final thoughts for this Six Nations kickoff? Uh, yeah, Italy are going to start their five-game win streak and um, win the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Where's the Ireland fifth game will be, come Ireland from? will beat France. Ireland will beat France. Italy will beat Ireland. You're right, fifth game. What did I say? They'll beat they'll four-game win streak. <laughs> Ireland will beat France. They'll beat Ireland, and they'll make it in on bonus points. Okay. We'll see about that. <laughs> Don't know Dude. if I'm ready for that one. To wrap it up, and as well as give a shameless plug, everybody go visit our website, TigersTalkProd.com. That is T-I-G-E-R-S-T-A-L-K-P-R-O-D.com. So we have a website now. So this is for, ti- right, right now we have all of our like home in the Tigers Talk, produ- uh, Tigers Talk Productions, as well as we have merchandise. So if you go to that website and then go to click on the merch tab you'll see that we have uh some clemson rugby gear with the uh clemson rugby patch as well as our no bias t-shirts and phone cases with our logo on it that is a really cool logo it was very it was designed by ethan so at least uh yeah it was you know it's some back (laughs) to to kind of attack on that um for any clemson rugby people or clemson people in general uh, half of the profits that are made on the Clemson rugby uh, um, apparel go to the foundation for the club. Um, it is stuff that they um, also get a little bit from, which is part of the reason why we kind of talked with them and started setting up merch for them and with them. Um, so we wanted to add some of uh, that. And obviously we're all alumni of Clemson and we're, players and uh coaches and whatnot everything in between uh so we do care a lot about the club and we do want to support them so if you support us with those we also use a little bit of that to support them so uh yeah that merch is big for us it's super exciting we've got like some of our featured episodes from like history on that website that you can go and click on and uh, listen to um everything from names in the mlr like uh mike matarazzo to uh, the new Clemson coach, Dara, uh, Dara, when he was new, I guess he's been around a while now. Um, we had some fun episodes on there. Like, please go check it out and go get something. Oh, and don't forget about uh, Beckett's blog, especially the one that has to go, that the most recent one, right? Yeah, what to expect yes. from Italy in the 2023 Six Nations. 
which you know it's kind of like a backing from when you also had the improvement and future of italy so this is like kind of working it together because that one came out in what june like the the improvement of, and future of italy was like june of last year so really you should give a lot of credit credit to beckett for predicting italy's rise yes obviously i all all for me i thought of it when, when garbisi was like an 18 year old boy and i saw him playing and i was like yes you know yeah <laughs> gonna do it all you know i i yeah. it was there at the birth of Ange Kuo, uh capuozo that's it and he knew immediately ah in he's 2023 he's gonna be great he's really <laughs> I thought he was younger than you. No, he's 20. I I think we should wrap it up here. He's he's almost exactly one year older than me. He was born April 30th, 1999. I was April 25th. Okay, I was there. I filmed it and sent it to you. That was it. Future me. All right, y'all. All All right, let's wrap it up here. But yeah. Okay, uh, well. Final final notes. Website. Tigerstockprod.com. Website, I'll put the link in the bio. I'll put it in the Linko in the bio. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Linko in the bio. Linko yeah. in the bio. Linko will be put in the bio. Uh, we forgot to say no bias in this podcast, but I'll say no bias once. Um, yeah, of course. There are no bias yeah. t-shirts. There we go. Yeah, there are. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and then Ethan Ethan told you the schedule for this next week, so you guys know exactly where to watch it. So go watch some Six Nations. 